Hi, Reunion. Hi, the rest of Reunion. Hey, here we are. This is a fun night that a lot of you guys don't even know what's about to happen. We've got some secrets, some surprises for you. Is there anybody in here who has a sister named Candace? Raise your hand if that's you. Or scream and shout if that's you. Okay. Um, I normally wouldn't do this because at some point there's going to be uh, an event every single week, a birthday, a baby, a wedding, but I just want to celebrate Kylie and Kinzer who got married yesterday. This is our first Kingdom Living wedding. We've had several Kingdom Living babies with a few more on the way, but you guys are the first wedding. Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is exactly what Milton was talking about with this 40 days of prayer and fasting. Um, there is absolutely breakthrough happening. There, would anybody say that you've experienced some sort of breakthrough since we've started this fast? Yeah, okay. Hey, how does a breakthrough into the overhead? Um, focus here, focus here. The reason why I'm bringing up this wedding is because it falls in line exactly with what we're praying for. So uh, we were able to be at the wedding last night and it was beautiful, it was amazing. But they were so intentional about bringing God into the wedding. There was a full-on worship set. There was salvations. There was people's bodies who got physically healed. There was all kinds of stuff. This is what we're fasting for. I love that you guys got married. I love more that people encountered God at a wedding. That could have very been easily been just through a walkthrough event, um, something to celebrate and have fun over. That's all well and good, good. but this is, this is where we're headed. This is normal for us, okay? So thank you for being normal, guys. Kinder's like, yep, I'm normal. Sam said it. Uh, I wanna tell you guys a little bit, um, a quick story, and then I'll explain the fun. When I was a kid, oh, we have, that's not where I lived, that's not where I grew up. Focus here. I've got a story for you. When I was a kid, I had a pastor for a season. His name was Cecil Sirawardene. Can anybody guess which country that's from? No? Starts with a Sri Lanka. Good job. Geography whizzes. Uh, pastor Sirawardene was from Sri Lanka, and he was a hunter. And he would tell us these incredible stories about going hunting in, you know, the depths of the Sri Lankan jungles and tromping through the woods and these wild encounters with elephants and tigers and danger and quicksand. It was like gold to an eight-year-old kid, okay? These stories were everything that I would go home and like make my G.I. Joes do, you know, like fight the tigers. And... But some of his most fascinating stories involved snakes uh, I don't know why. I guess Sri Lanka is overrun with snakes. Maybe you would agree with me on that. Uh, but he would just tell these just freakishly terrible stories of running into giant pythons, you know, with no weapons and having to, like, outmaneuver it and these close encounters with cobras and vipers. And what I would do, you know, I was a kid and this would just grab my attention. And so I would ask him questions and he would tell us about how to avoid these pitfalls. So I learned at eight years old that if you're ever walking through the Sri Lankan jungle, don't step over logs, step on logs. Because if you step over it, there's snakes under it and they'll bite your foot. And he would tell us about how to, 
you know, if you need to use the facilities in the middle of the night, it's basically an outhouse with a hole in the ground. You, you can't just walk in and go. You have to go and like sweep the whole place for vipers because they like outhouses. And it's this just scary idea, but it was so fascinating, right? What a wild, I can't imagine that. And I tried to learn how to respond if I ever came across you know, this deadly cobra in the middle of the night in an outhouse. And I felt like I had a leg up on the average eight-year-old from upstate New York on how to survive in the Sri Lankan jungles, you know? I felt good. I, I feel like I could have lasted a little longer than my friends could have. Um, knowing where to step, where not to step, what to touch, what not to touch, what to eat, what not to eat. It's like I was the original survivor man, really. It's true. And, okay, so my dad... Um, still is a fisherman. It's what he loves to do. It's his passion. It's his joy. Um, if there's water, he's throwing a hook in it to try to catch some fish. And when I was growing up, my grandparents on my dad's side lived in Louisiana. And we would try to go down there about once a year. And all my dad wanted to do is find fishing spots, right? We're going to the deep south with kudzu and barbecue and no joke, Louisiana is the kind of place where if you find a puddle, you can catch a fish in it. And I'm not joking, we did it once. There was a puddle in the street and we caught a fish. Not with a hook, but we literally just grabbed it out. It was, I don't understand, this is a wild place. And so one day we're in Louisiana, again I'm eight years old, ten years old, just a kid. And my dad wanted to go exploring to try to find a fishing spot, right? So we go out into the middle of nowhere. The whole state of Louisiana, Gary, I'm guessing Alabama is the same way. The whole state of Louisiana is the middle of nowhere. There's nothing there. It's just woods and snakes. And we go deep into the heart of nowhere, and we come to this gas station, and we go inside, and it's the kind of gas station that has license plates on the wall and, you know, picture, like old Polaroids of, you know, people from the community who caught big fish. And as we were checking out, there was an old newspaper article right up beside the cash register. <clears throat> and it was a picture of this guy, big smile on his face, wearing a farmer's hat. And he had a rattlesnake that they had killed. And he had draped it over his shoulders. And it was so long that its head was on the ground on this side and its tail was on the ground on this side. I mean, this thing had to have been 10 feet long. And they, the guy at the store, it was like, you know, this big newspaper article they cut out. The guy at the store said that they think this was probably the largest rattlesnake ever caught anywhere, ever. But the guy didn't weigh it. He, I don't know, killed it. I don't know what you do with a dead rattlesnake. But he didn't, he didn't measure it and weigh it and all that stuff. I mean, think about that. This thing was as thick as a tire. Its body was just massive. It probably, it had to have weighed 200 pounds. Well, the crazy thing about that newspaper article with the rattlesnake is that it took, they, the guy caught that snake and killed it within a mile of that gas station that I was at. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not eight years old anymore, but that still kind of makes my anxiety going up. Like, man, I wish that was on the other side of the state. You know, I wish that was 10 miles up the road. 
and it freaked me out. That thing must have had, I don't know, two-inch long fangs. I can't even imagine how strong it was. And suddenly, this fun little exploration trip that I'm taking with my dad turned into a nightmare. And I'm on high alert, even in the gas station. I don't know, do snakes crawl into gas stations? Probably, and I'm not going to get killed by one. So all my dad wants to do is go drive to the middle of nowhere, go trekking through the woods to find a fishing hole that no one's ever fished at. That's cool in upstate New York where I grew up, but I don't know suddenly where there's 10-foot rattlesnakes hanging out, you know, bigger than I am. Suddenly the fishing trip is like a survival mission, essentially. And so we leave the gas station, we drive a short ways away. Again, now we're in like the armpit of nowhere. There's nothing. And my dad somehow, I don't even know, I was so like spazzing out. I don't know how he knew to stop here, but he just stopped on the side of the road and we got out and grabbed our fishing gear and he's like, there's water this way. And this is pre-GPS, you know, all we have is like black and white maps. We're trying to figure out where the road goes. He just decides to stop, we get out and we go through the woods a little bit and somehow he knew that there was this little fishing pond there. And we get out of the car and I trust my dad. I've always trusted him, but man, I was scared. And so we, we come through this clearing and it's like this little, uh, like an embankment down to this retention pond. And it's just grass and there's no civilization. Nothing is paved, nothing is easily accessible. But there's this little em embankment made of concrete and it's you know saw grass and thickets all around. It's about head high. So all I can see is just like a tower of trees and grass and then water about from me to this first row away. I see the water and suddenly my mind is racing wait a minute, aren't there alligators in Louisiana? Uh, how come we hadn't thought of this earlier? Are we just going to go stand on the edge of this pond? Uh, has anyone told the alligators that we're cool? Like, what kind of guarantees can I get from standing here fishing that these alligators wouldn't get me? And then I'm starting to think about Pastor Cyril Wardenay's snake stories and how they like the water. And that's the most dangerous place to be. So I'm having flashbacks of his crocodile stories and snake stories and my mind is racing. And my dad just keeps, he can tell I'm scared. I don't think I verbalized anything, but he said, don't worry about it. Like everything out here is gonna get flushed away. It's all gonna be scared of us. Once these things see a, a big human, they're just gonna run away and whatever. So I trusted him. My dad's leading the way. We're walking down this, you know, eight foot wide embankment down to this water. Nerves, 10 out of 10 on the anxiety meter. And as we're walking down this embankment, this big tuft of, you know, sawgrass or whatever is right here. And it starts shaking violently. And you ever have something happen? You don't even have time to respond. You just, I don't know, you freeze. It starts violently shaking. And out of nowhere, well, out of this thicket comes this huge rattlesnake. And let me tell you, that rattlesnake was not scared of us like my dad said it would be. And he's leading the way. It literally crawled between us and goes straight to the water that we're walking towards and into the water and disappears. And I, you know, I don't know how tall I was at eight years old, but this thing was way longer than I was tall. So it had to be at like a five or six foot snake. Um, so we just stand there, eyes as big as dinner plates, and I just remember, I look at my dad and I said, nope. And I turned around and I walked back to the car. Like that was all I needed. The whole episode was five seconds long, maximum. Just shake, shake, shake. Snake just cruises between us, letting us know who's boss. 
and turn around, run, sprint back to the car. My dad was trying to convince me that it's okay. Like, it's gone. It's not going to bother you. But you can't convince me after that. Like, that was just the start. I don't want to know how that nightmare ends. So why am I telling you this? Well, the reason I'm telling you this is because sometimes we can be so fully equipped with knowledge and information and all the theory in the world, but until we have an experience, we don't really know anything. It's just theory. I think it was Leonard Ravenhill who said, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man who just has a theory. And you know what? When I was walking through those Louisiana woods, I had a great theory how to survive in the Sri Lankan jungles. But man, my life almost ended on an eight-foot embankment in the armpit of Louisiana because of a rattlesnake. Well, my job as a pastor of this church is not to go home and read my Bible and to say Hail Marys or whatever people think pastors do. That's not it. Gary's not paying me to do that. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means that everything we do here, we want to give away to you so that you can do the works of the ministry. We've had this conversation for about three months, probably six months actually. Uh, your job is to be the church, not just to come do church. That means you get to do the works of the ministry. That means you get to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and do all this stuff. That's why we have prophetic ministry. That's why we've had prayer ministry. That's why we're going to have healing ministry. That's why we have evangelism and evangelism training. Well, one of the next things that we're going to try to equip you guys with has to do with missions. We love missions. Do you like missions? Yeah. So Gary, wave your hand. Gary is the Kogop, which is our denomination. He's the area bishop for Hawaii and the Pacific Islands. So he's kind of like the, the granddaddy of all the islands out here. And he goes in and he regulates and he takes care of business and he has to deal with all the drama. But one of the things that Gary's job entails is sending people to these islands. And it's something that he's done for years. And obviously the past two years have been a hot mess. And a lot of these places have been closed to any outsiders. Well, they're starting to open back up. So we've actually been talking a little bit about how do we get this missions ball rolling again? This is a call and a mandate. We have to be a sending church and we want to get an early jump on planning these things out. So our heart is to send folks someplace. And, you know, our thought is so much amazing, so many amazing things are happening. It would be, I think, unwise to just sit here and think that it was just for us. Like our breakthrough is not just for us. It's for the world and we have to give this away. We want to go share his goodness and we're probably going to start bringing in some of these um, pastors and leaders from these little island nations and bringing them here to get trained up. But we're also going to send some of our people across the Pacific Ocean and to different places. So today is part of this training and equipping that I'm actually responsible to the Lord for. And we have some very amazing guests in the house. I'm going to introduce them in just a minute. Um, these are two very special people that I've known for about 10 years. I actually got to do their wedding. It was beautiful. Now they have two amazing kids. Um, Andrew and Kirsten Steele um, have spent this last significant portion of their lives going into the darkest places and bringing the brightest lights. And they've actually committed their whole lives to the missions field. And I was going to like try to think of all the countries you guys have been to, but I don't know that many countries. But their, their four-year-old daughter has a passport, and she's been to, what, 15 countries already? So they, they've been around the globe, and they keep going around the globe. 
Um, they are actively equipping and training the church. Who is the church? That's right. So they're also involved in sending the church. That's what their hearts are. You cannot be a church of theory. We have to be a church of doing and going. And so this is part of that. And it's probably wisdom, you know, to learn how to put out an electrical fire. It's probably wisdom to know what a poisonous snake looks like. It's probably wisdom to know how to save the lost. It's probably wisdom to know how to cast out a demon. But until we're in the moment, it's all theory. And we will not be a church of theory. We will be a church of walking things out. We're the ones who get to trample the gates of Hades. The greater revelation is experience. It is experience. And I don't want to have anybody from this church ever, metaphorically speaking, have a rattlesnake in Louisiana moment where you know all the right things and what to step on and what not to step on. And then when it comes, man, you just freeze and you run away. That's not who we are. So yes, we believe in doctrine. Yes, we believe in teaching. Yes, we believe in dividing, rightly dividing the word. But we also believe in doing and going and being the church. So I'd rather get you guys ready for when the snake comes out of the bush so that you can trample it, right? So you can trample the great lion and the serpent. Um, let me introduce them real quick and then have Andrew come on up. So Andrew and Kirsten are mission, the missions directors for an organization called Light a Candle, and they oversee their long-term bases in both Iraq and India. And uh, Andrew said they're doing something like 20 short-term trips just this year in 2022. Uh, I don't even know if I've come to church 20 times. Like, that's incredible. They're also, as if that weren't enough, they're also the founders and overseer of Burn 24-7 in Redding, California. And their vision is to see the city of Redding unify around worship and his presence. And then they're also involved with something called Let Us Worship, who you, you guys have all seen on Instagram. A guy named Sean Foyt goes around and does these huge worship events in their cities. Well, Andrew and Kirsten are heavily involved with that. And they lead all the outreach and evangelism for all the cities that uh, Let Us Worship goes to. So they are on the ground, even when they're home, bringing light into darkness. So without further ado, Andrew, do you want to come on up here and get us equipped? Come on. Oh, Kirsten, come on up too. Come on. Kirsten's going to sing one more song for us. Come on, that's amazing. What's up, everyone? I think everyone in the world that ever gets to share should get teed up by Sam Cabra. Yeah. He basically just shared our whole message, so we actually don't really need to do anything. Kirsten, you actually can just, let's just go back into worship. That would be awesome. Whew. Jesus. Feels good in here. I think we could have easily, uh, what, what Sam was just talking about, we, uh, our DNA, our background, well, first of all, we actually found Jesus. We found his presence here in Oahu. So we both come Montana, North Carolina, a little bit of San Diego, West Coast. So I got Bible Belt, snakes, and me as well. Um, don't worry. We're going to talk about missions, but we're not going to bring out serpents tonight. And I was like, where are you going with this, Sam? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you teed up. I'm going to talk a little bit about missions. I'm like, 10 minutes in, we're still talking about snakes. I'm like, you're going to freak people out. But I love what you did. It was beautiful. Um, we're so thankful to be here. We love Oahu. Uh, this is, feels like home for us. It's where we met. Uh, we were up at a ministry called Surfing the Nations. Um, over 10 years ago, we came here. God transformed our lives, and we just wanted more of him. And uh, Sam was a huge 
the biggest impact in our life. He mentored us, mentored Kirsten, and honestly changed our lives. It sent us off uh, to Bethel. To We thought we were going to go there for one year and get trained up and hit the mission field. That was our plan. Kirsten was like, let's go find a village, an unreached village, and let's give our lives and lay it all down for him. Let's just go get trained up. And that was seven years ago. And uh, we've still been in Redding, California, and uh, been running with uh, Sean Foyt, a hero of ours. We actually had heard of him and YWAM and Every missions organization you can think of when we were here in Hawaii, we were just eating up every book we could find and get our hands on and, and learning about the kingdom of God and what God was doing in the nations and how the Great Commission was explosive and there was things happening not just in the nations but here in our nation that I'd never heard about as a good Bible Belt Baptist boy. And so as we studied and it was, as we you know found Andy Bird and these guys in YWAM and Sean Foyt, he was a huge hero of ours. And uh, the same year that we moved to Redding, California, him and his family moved there to be a part of Bethel Music. And uh, that's how we've been. It's been a dream come true for us. We've been running with them. And uh, many of you, I know there's a few of our friends here that have gone through the house at, at Bethel. It's been super fun. We get to oversee and uh, help mentor 30-year students that come through um, when we're in Redding. We still call it home base when we're there, and uh, it's been amazing. But, but tonight, we're talking about Jesus. And we're going to just make it all about Jesus tonight. That's, that's the easiest thing to do. And yes, a part of that is missions, but, but our heart and our DNA is that everything would overflow from, from his presence, that everything would overflow from what we were just doing and we could have kept doing for hours, is that our life, that everything would be an overflow of worship. And, and, and that's our heart um, and, and light a candle, is that we are called to breathe light to every dark place. And it's not with heaviness, it's not with burdens, it's actually with joy and with worship, and that our evangelism, our ministry, our prophetic ministry, our work in, in you know, corporate world, everything would be an overflow of worship. And so tonight, we're going to dive into it. We're super expectant of what, what he's going to do. Let's just make it all about Jesus. As, as I, was, I was back there with our kiddos and uh, just praying, and, and, and honestly, the band was like taking us through like the entire, like, Easter celebration, waiting, everything. I was just like, man, I was just encountering Jesus back there with, with our kids and came up front. I could just feel such a hunger for tonight and what God was doing. And I felt like, uh, as I was praying, I just felt like God was going to be marking the hungry ones tonight. That there was going to be an increased hunger and, and, a, and a deposit um, of deeper surrender and hunger for him. And that he was going to, there's going to be an impartation of boldness. Um, I really feel that tonight, that, that as uh, we're going to show some, share some testimony of what God's doing around the nations, but here in America as well. And, and as you hear these testimonies, I feel like God was going to resurrect things that have been laid dormant in your life. If there's things that have become mundane for you or there's things that over the last two years that you've kind of stuffed down dreams of yours, that the church is arising. And, and as Oahu is opening up, I feel like God tonight was going to resurrect those dreams, that, that things were going to, the limits were going to be torn off tonight as we see what God's doing around the world. And I just believe there's going to be a, a fresh fire that's deposited tonight. So you guys ready for that? Come on, Chris. What about you? Well, I was going to say everything that you just said. So, um, but yeah, just to re reiterate, um, just really feeling sur like a deeper surrender um, and just inspiring people that even maybe you're not called to, you know, go to the nations or go to certain countries like we go to, but, but like maybe you're called to like your workplace and maybe you're called to be 
the, I mean, the, it's, it's just getting darker. That's the reality. Like we live in a day and age where crazy stuff on media, like, you know, it's getting darker, but the light shines brighter. So I feel like tonight, um, God just going to inspire people, um, to bring that hope and that light to wherever you're called to. And I, and I really feel like God's going to, like Andrew said, just birth like new dreams and vision. Um, maybe there's some of you who feel a little bit like visionless, um, coming out of this season. Um, it's been an intense season for everyone and maybe you feel a little visionless and I just feel like God's going to really like give fresh vision and really pour out like a new thing. Um, I've been like really, um, just reflecting a lot on like the verse and I, I think it's Isaiah 43 behold I'm uh, don't remember the former things of the past but behold I'm doing a new thing and I really just um want to yeah prophesy that over some of you that he really is doing a new thing this really is a new season and the greater days are ahead like don't remember the former things the greater days are ahead so yeah so good yeah well before we go let's just close our eyes <laughs> It was, it was thick in here, the presence, and it still is right now. And so before we go anywhere, let's just turn our affection to Jesus. Whew. Holy Spirit, would you have your way tonight? God, would you mark every heart in this room in specific and significant ways? God, I pray, Father, that as people hear testimonies, as they hear your word, as they hear... Father, the promises that you're declaring over Oahu, that you're declaring over the nations, Father, would you resurrect dreams tonight, God? Would you, <laughs> would you shower ridiculous hope and extravagant joy over Union Church, God? And just with your eyes closed, I just felt to, to, to read this over you. These are words from Paul. And I just feel like as, as I declare this, just keep your eyes closed. Imagine you're, you're living in these days of the early church and, and just begin to set your expectation of what God's going to do, not just in 2022, but, but where he's taking you, where he's taking Reunion Church. And Paul says this, he says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of his glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. <laughs> yes, God, would you open up that heavenly treasure chest tonight, God? Would you far exceed our expectations? Would you lift our eyes higher, Lord, if we've become complacent or comfortable, God? I thank you for a hunger that is being stirred up right now. Would you raise our expectations? Would we see the way you are seeing right now? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, this is going to be good. Well, before we dive into scripture, we're going to go somewhere, I promise. How many of you, I just have a couple questions. I like I liked, I liked Sam's questions, but how many of you believe that right now we are living in the greatest harvest that the church has ever seen? I see one hand, a couple hands back there. Okay, come on. Maybe some of you are like, I don't know. Have you seen the news? But yes, right now, historians, Joshua Project, people alike are agreeing that right now more people are coming to Jesus every day in this moment in history than ever before. And if that's news to you, then that should be super exciting. 
Right now, every day, more people are coming to Jesus than they ever had for the last 2,000 years. And we get to be a part of it. God is inviting us tonight to, to step in and to be a part of what he's doing around the world. Yes, if you watch the news, if you watch media, if you listen to the radio, it might seem like the world is getting darker. There might be chaos happening in Eastern Europe. There might be rebel groups rising all over the world. There might be great division and, and no, you know, uh, great social justice things to jump into and see restoration and healing. But it, might, it could feel hopeless. But right now, there's a great harvest to partake in. And we get to be a part of it. And because of that, I believe that the greatest days of, of the church of Oahu are actually ahead of us. As Sam was saying, or as, as uh, I think Milton was saying in, in, in the announcements, I love like the faith that reunion carries that, that because of this, because of these realities, that the church is actually exploding, that the body of Christ is actually growing at a rapid level, that actually the greatest days of reunion are ahead of you guys. And I believe it. And you're, this is just the beginning, as Kirsten was saying. And so... As we step in, I just, we're so encouraged, not just of what God's doing in the nations, but what he's doing here, the revivals that are breaking out all over America, that, that what has felt like a crazy two years, we're seeing that God is moving and he's redeeming and he's actually taking us from glory to glory as things are opening back up. And so, yeah, we just actually returned uh, from East Africa a couple weeks ago. And uh, before, again, before we jump into scripture, I just wanted to, um, we just wanted to share this, this, uh, this little video because it's actually crazy what God did. And, and we were in East Africa, and uh, as, as much as we love the nations, um, this trip was so marking. And, and I'm, I'm so fired up for what God just did in East Africa. We were in Uganda uh, at the border of South Sudan. We took a team with us of people, uh, went to all these unreached villages of, of places where they've never heard the name of Jesus before. And, and we, took, we took our family, took our kids, and, and we're not just fired up because we love the nations, but I'm fired up because of the people that came with us. People just like you and me, normal, everyday people that lay down their job, that are saying yes to this call. They're saying yes to, I don't know what's going on in life right now, but, but God, you're calling me to go, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give everything. I'm going to go on this trip. We had people on this trip that came with us that one was like, uh, had just, she was from Texas. She had just recently come out of like a cessationist movement. She doesn't even know if it was a cult or not. She definitely didn't believe in miracles and, or, or any of the things of the spirit, and she's like, am I okay to to come on the strip. We're like, yes, come with us. You're going to see and your life's going to be changed forever. Uh, we had another person on our trip that came. He was in his, Craig was like in his 60s, 50s. Never been on a mission trip his entire life. Never been overseas. Had to get his passport. Had a, had a um, ex-con like history before he knew Jesus. He was never able to get a passport. And in his 60s, he says, yes, I'm going to the nations. I'm using all my PTO and I'm going to go and bring this Jesus who's changed my life and I'm going to bring it to unreached people groups. He came with us. And that's what fires me up about this trip. And so as you watch this video, I just feel like God is, is removing uh, boundaries. He's removing the limits where it's like, oh, that's great for those people. But, but right now I have all these things going on. I can never do that. As you watch this video, just think of my friend Craig. And uh, we're going to keep going. You can play that, that uh, Kenya video.
into this village to reach the gospel. And we are seeing so many people getting free now. Devil is just coming out. People is getting healed. So Jesus is here. I want to just challenge you to preach the gospel, whatever you are. The Holy Spirit just came to you, not to be just to be inside to you, but to be shared. Share Jesus with everyone, everyone, no matter where you are. Just preach the gospel. He's gonna people set free. He, he's Jesus. Jesus is freedom. Okay, preach the gospel. We are in Africa. Pray for us. Love you. Come on, come on. I hope that fires you up. We'd still get fired up watching it. Is anyone, do I have anyone here that feels, don't worry, I'm not going to be like, come up, come up front, we're sending you to Africa. Does anyone feel called to Africa? Sorry, I can kind of see out there. Got to see a few hands. If you've never been to Africa, I just want to encourage you. It's wild. 
It's so fun. The spiritual atmosphere is so thin and you see God move like we've never seen before. So if, if you're considering or if you're praying about, there's many organizations that go, this isn't like a, a light a candle pitch tonight. This is, let's make it about Jesus night. But there's so many amazing orgs that go there. We're happening to be bringing teams back there a bunch. We feel that God is uh, calling us, light a candle, to go to the har- hardest, the darkest, the most forgotten places. So we focus on what missions people call the 1040 window, the area where there's the most unreached people groups, which is North and East Africa, across the Middle East and into Southeast Asia. So we're going back to Africa a few more times this year. So if you're interested, you can talk to us after, um, after tonight or go to lightacandle.global. But the point of that, of seeing that, is now do you believe the greatest days of the church are ahead of us? Didn't that just look like a joy celebration? Demons flying everywhere, people being set free, things falling off people's bodies, people that couldn't walk standing up, drunkards that were on their way in a village, literally that guy that was weeping, um, his name is Moses, and uh, he, was, he was weeping on, if you remember the scene, it was just him, and there was all these people around him, the camera guy for all the media people in here nailed it, and uh, he has Moses just standing there by himself, like in this like, crusade, and he's just crying, he's got water all over him from his baptism. He was literally on his way in his village, he was... Uh, completely drunk, wasted, on his way with a machete to go have a conversation with his buddy that had done like a bad thing to one of his people, which later he told us he was planning on killing him. Uh, on his way, he hears the crusade music. He turns around, comes in. Thankfully, the security guards made him put his machete down. And from that moment, the presence of God hits him. He sobers up. He hears the gospel. He hears about this man named Jesus. He experiences peace in his heart. He repents. And he gets saved that night. And for the next four nights of the crusade, he's literally right here at the front row just worshiping Jesus. So it wasn't just like a momentary, like, I'm going to do the right thing. He was so transformed that he stood at the crusade right in the front for the rest of the time. So God is on the move. The best days of the church are ahead of us. The best days of Hawaii are ahead of us. And the best days of reunion are ahead of us. And we get to be a part of it. And so tonight, our question for you is this. If you're not currently a part of it, why not? And I feel like God tonight, Jesus is, is giving this invitation and he's opening up this, this sobering, beautiful reality of if you're not a part of what I'm doing in the nations, as Sam was saying, you might know all the things. You might know the, the great Bible verses about the Great Commission. You might know that you know, some people should be called. Actually, it's all of us that Jesus called. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that includes this nation. That includes Oahu. So yes, many of you are called here for a season to see God move, to see God move in downtown Honolulu in the, in the corporate sectors. But it also includes the nations. In Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses, it's, uh, you know, Jesus, we're approaching this time of Pentecost. You know, we, we, were, we were singing, we were waiting here. We were waiting for the Lord, this beautiful time of, of after Easter, after the resurrection. Jesus comes back and he says, wait and there will be a power that comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, which is their city. So Honolulu, their city, to, Ju- to, uh, to Judea, sorry, uh, to Judea, which was their region, and to the ends of the earth. And so many people tonight, I believe you're called here, yes, to Oahu. You're called to see revival break out here in this city, but you're called to answer the call, to, to lay aside your own passions, to lay aside your comforts and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to go. I want to see 
your great commission happen. I want to see your last words fulfilled here on this earth. And so I just want you to open up your Bibles right now. We're open it to Romans 13, 11. And we're going to go into some ministry time here in a little bit. So get ready. So the same way that Jesus is extending this invitation to us, he has been for 2,000 years. Paul is writing to to the church of of, of Rome, and he's encouraging them. And the same way that Jesus is extending this, has extended this invitation, Paul is saying, now is the time. It's time to wake up. It's time to go. And so in Romans 13, 11, depending on the verse you're reading, he says, if you're following along, it says, this is all the more urgent. Some, some versions say, can't you perceive it? Can't you, can't you understand what's happening? The time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And if you're a good Bible scholar in here and you love the book of Romans, there's so much meat. There's so much good theology in here. It could take you know a good couple series to go through all of what Romans is talking about. But I love the simplicity that Paul lands on here. He's got 13 chapters of going into the depths of, of what it means to be this new believer, what it means to be atoned, what it means to you know for this to be available to everyone. And he says, but wait a minute, you guys don't get don't you understand what's happening right now? And this was 2,000 years ago. How much more urgent is it today? And he says, this is all the more urgent. Don't you understand what's going around us? Can't you understand? I mean, this is, talk about a wake-up call for us today. With everything that's happening around the world, can we perceive it? Do we see it? This is all the more urgent. Time is running out. Time is quick. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than it has ever been before. And when I just think of, now is the time when I think of this is all the more urgent. If Paul said it then, and it's what excites Kirsten and I, it's, it's this, this idea of not out of striving, not out of duty or performance, but out of this great lovesick relationship with Jesus, that we get to come from this place of, of abiding, of, of worship, of at his feet, that we would do anything for King Jesus and, and realize now is the time. It's time to wake up. It's time to go into the most dark places of, of Honolulu where others aren't going. Go into the darkest places of this island that you guys know about where hopeless people have been fleeing to during COVID. There's places in this island or in surrounding islands or in our nation where people are fleeing. They're hopeless. They're looking for truth. They're looking for something. And the harvest is truly ripe, but the laborers are few. And are we willing to be doers, as Sam was saying? Are we willing to take these words, take these promises, and see them activated here in our cities? There's no more time for lukewarm Christianity. If the the last two years taught us anything, there's no more time for lukewarm Christianity. There's the refining of COVID has brought us, you know, the church into this place of either you're in or you're out. There's no more in between. COVID, COVID has refined us. It's, it's definitely had its hard, hard times, its, its challenges. But what it's done is refined the bride and it's brought us to this beautiful family that's sitting right here. You're either in or you're out. There's no more compromise and complacency is no longer an option. 
And so when I think about this verse, I think about all that God's done, even amidst these, these two years. And I know Sam and I, we've uh, so many times the last couple of years, we're in Redding, California. Thankfully, of all of California, Redding's like this little bubble that somehow COVID did not really exist there that much. And thankfully, we did not experience the same lockdowns that you had. And many times Sam's like texting me like, come on, man. I'm so jealous or whatever, <laughs> or like, this is crazy. Everything is so locked down here. I'm praying for you guys. But what we saw in the midst of that in honor and bringing people dignity, not doing it to, to, to be a show, but we said, we're going to be the boots on the ground. We're going to go and we're going to see God move. We can't go to the nations, especially when the lockdowns first started happening. We said, hey, for a little while, they actually closed down everything. We couldn't fly to a lot of the trips that we had planned. And we said, fine, if we can't go to the nations, we're, we're going to bring the light to the darkest places of America and people are hurting. Depression is skyrocketing. Suicide rates are going through the roof. We need to be Jesus to, to our cities, to our neighborhoods, to our neighbors that need to know him, that need to experience this life-giving Jesus. And so we went, and over these last two years, I just think of this is all the more urgent. When I think of that verse and I think of Paul writing that to Rome, if it was all the more urgent then, I think of these men and these women that we've experienced, not just in the nations. I think of uh, we were at this event in, in Portland. I think of this suicidal man. This is all the more urgent. He was on his way, just like that guy in, the, in, in a village in remote Kenya. This guy was on his way to go. Is anyone from Portland or been to Pacific Northwest? Anyone in here? He was on his way to go jump off the bridge at the river. I forget, is it the Deschutes River that goes through Portland? And he was on his way, had the plan to commit suicide, and he was walking, and he hears the music uh, of this outdoor worship event we were doing. And we had to bring it outside because we couldn't worship in the churches just like here. And so we're outside, we're worshiping this man. hears the worship. He turns. He was on the bridge. He turns around. And he says, what's going on? And, and, you know, he didn't know what it was. He didn't have the language, but the spirit led him to go to this event out of curiosity. He starts breaking down crying. At that time, one of the prayer ministers is going after suicide and depression. He happens to walk up at that moment. He falls on his face, gives his life to Jesus. And from a moment of life, of darkness and great death turned to life. Come on, isn't that amazing? I think of this is all the more urgent. We, we had taken a team of people. We were like, hey, if we can't go to the nations, let's mobilize people. Let's, let's get out on the streets. If we're having these events, churches need to come together. They need to unify. We've preached on that. We want to see John 17 fulfilled. We want to see a unified bride, a church of Jesus working together to see this thing happen. And we said, all right, if we're going to go to cities, let's see cities or churches come together that didn't used to work together. Let's get them together and let's do this. And so we went and we mobilized people. We said, hey, we're going to train your churches on evangelism and bring this thing to the streets. People can't meet outside anymore or meet in church buildings, and that's fine. Let's go meet them on the streets. And so we were in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I believe it was like two years. I think it was 2020. And uh, I think of this is all the more urgent. Wake up. And we took this team. Uh, we had a couple of like mamas with us. We had, you know, fresh new believers that had never done evangelism before. We had intercessory, you know, mamas and, and fathers with us. They're like, that's great. Normally we just pray for them to go. And we're like, no, come with us. And they said, fine, we're going to do it. And she was so sweet and so humble. And she came with us. She's like, I had never actually done, uh, brought Jesus. We don't even have to call it street evangelism. Let's just call it oozing Jesus on the streets. So whatever you want to call it if the evangelism word scares you. And so we were like, let's just go be Jesus. Let's go worship. And let's just see what happens when we overflow that worship into every 
connection, every situation that we come up to. And so we went out into the beach in Jacksonville. You guys were from, how many years did you spend in Jacksonville? 10 years, come on. I did not mean to just connect every part of my, my sermon. Sam's like, good boy, good boy. <laughs> connect everything back to me. Um, yes, I'm a disciple of Sam. But we, uh, just kidding. This is, is this being recorded? Oh, gosh. Um, we're going around Jacksonville, Jacksonville Beach, and we have this amazing team of, of people, and they split off, and like, I'm a little nervous. I've actually never shared the gospel before with someone. And we said, hey, we're going to celebrate every risk you take. Maybe it's just going. People are so hungry for hope right now. They're so down. You don't need to have this whole five-finger method of sharing the gospel. You don't have to have it all worked up in your brain. Just go and be open and talk to someone. You'll watch as Jesus opens up the doors. He'll start speaking to you. He'll start giving you words of knowledge. He's just looking for you to turn like Moses and make the step towards the bush and go for it. Take that first step. And so they went out. They go on the beach. They're nervous. They come up to this first group of girls, and they're sitting on the beach by the shore, and they're like, I think we're supposed to go talk to them. I'm a little nervous. They're all like college age girls and a couple of the girls were actually their age and sometimes I don't know if there's anyone here sometimes it's the most intimidating to talk to someone you know your own age and so these girls are like oh I wouldn't have picked those people but fine the intercessor mamas picked them let's go and they go up to these girls and right as they start talking the Lord drops something in and the girl that's like 20 years old that was on our team and says ask them uh, if they're struggling with suicide and she was like, ooh, that's really intense to like start off the conversation with. So she's letting the others talk. And she said, hey, I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, this might be, you know, a little personal, but is any of you struggling with like maybe hopelessness or depression? Um, and, she, and she left out the suicide part at, at first. And immediately the first girl on the left, and there's a group of four of them, starts just weeping. And she sees the tears like welling up in their eyes. And long story short, over the next... 15, 20 minutes, they find out that all four of those girls had started university at the start of COVID. So they must have been like 18, 19. And all four of them had found each other in their hopelessness and their depression. And they're actually planning and talking on how, what it could look like to do suicide together. Four normal, normal, you know, suburban girls in America this is the darkness that is happening, the, the hopelessness, the lies of the enemy trying to steal life at this time. And, and these four girls just start weeping and crying. And these, uh, the girls on our team get to share the gospel with them. They get to share the love of Jesus that, that God would send these four random strangers to bring life to them. And in that moment, all four of them rededicate their lives to Jesus. They get connected to a local church in Jacksonville. And now the rest of their college career looks completely different. Isn't that amazing? Come on. And so when I think of, I think of these, these different situations and Kirsten's going to share about something, the nations, I, I shared those two examples because this is all the more urgent. Time is running out. This, this idea of global missions and us answering the call, so many times God is asking us to be faithful for what he's put right in front of us. And I'll never forget, we went to the Send uh, in Orlando. Did anyone else go to that? Anyone here? Maybe not. It was a big event, global stadium event. And Francis Chan spoke, and, and he was sharing on, on how, like him, like Heidi Baker, he was, he was on his knees. He was begging the Lord for the nations. He was, God, give me a nation like you gave Heidi Baker. Give me a nation. You know, I'll, I'll go anywhere for you, God. And in that moment, he said it was the most humble thing. And the Lord corrected him and said, Francis, I'll give you a nation once you love your neighbor across the street. 
and he knew exactly who he was talking about. There's a man and, and, and beautiful Francis Chan humility. You know, he shared this whole message on how there had been years where he'd been doing itinerant ministry, going everywhere. And he knew that across the street, there had been this person that had been struggling. Uh, I can't remember the whole testimony, so I don't want to get it incorrect. But basically, the, the idea is this, is that the Lord is looking for us to be these bold, courageous, joyful missionaries to our neighbors, to our to the grocery store, to Whole Foods, and here in Kahala Market. I know that you guys are going after that. I've heard amazing things from uh, your evangelism team. You guys are going out. You're seeing God move, and that's beautiful. But God is eliminating disqualification tonight. That no one is disqualified from from seeing God break out in their families. I love that Tori was was talking about prodigals coming home tonight. That, that God is, is moving and he's asking you these things that I'm giving you, this knowledge, this, this incredible transformation that you've received at reunion, these stories and these testimonies that only you know that God's transforming your life. He's done it for you because he loves you, but he's also done it because he wants you to give it away. And so tonight, that's what we're going to go after. And I think, of, I think of this is all the more urgent. I think of it's time to wake up. He's bringing out those, what are those pads called? that wake you up, electric shock, any paramedics, yeah, that was a, I'll have to write that down next time, but he's bringing them out, whatever they're called, he's waking us up, and, uh, and curse, I just wanted you to share, we're, we're in, uh, Iraq, we, we love, uh, we have a base in, in northern Iraq, we sent a team there, that have been there since 2014, uh, in the middle of ISIS, uh, this is a perfect example. In the middle of ISIS, if you remember in 2014, uh, ISIS was trying to use fear tactics just like they're using today to scare people, uh, to turn from any other religion than Islam. And it's dark, it's nasty, it's disgusting. In 2014, they uh, um, tried the best they could to make a video of this beheading of, of, of a reporter, if anyone remembers. And they, they did this beheading of a U.S. reporter, and they sent it out around the world hopes that it would go viral and that it would shock and grip people with fear, just like the Viper uh, in Sam's story, that people would be so afraid of what's happening in the nations that, that the enemy was doing anything he could to get people in the church to stop advancing to get people to, to hunker down and to do what they think was safe. And in that moment, uh, Sean, Sean Floyd and, and, and the team of Burn 24-7 said, hey, this can't happen on our watch. We can't let fear be displayed virally around the world when we're called to bring light and pierce the darkness. And so who's willing to go and to bring worship into this? He didn't say, I don't need, I don't need missionaries. I don't need all this. He said, who's willing to just go and bring worship and to, and to shift atmospheres in this dark nation? Who will go? And he sent out a global email uh, to all of the people and all the teams. And the only three people that responded were his, were his nannies. And, the, and his three babysitters, untrained missionaries, had no experience, 18-year-old, blonde-haired girls that, were, uh, that all took care and, like, uh, you know, took turns watching over their kids. And those three launched out to start the project in Iraq in the middle of ISIS. They're the only non-military people on their first flight over. They had their guitars um, with them as their carry-ons. As you can imagine, their parents were pissed. Um, they're like, what are you doing? This is crazy. The military and the plane were like, what are you doing? This is crazy. And 2014, almost 10 years ago, this base was started. And today they're seeing wild fruit. And our team has been there ever since. There's been changes and different people coming on and off the field. And, and so we have a huge heart in Iraq. There's so much biblical history, prophetic uh, 
prophetic destiny over the Middle East. We all know um, where we're going, the direction, but it's so important in seeing God move, and we're seeing a crazy harvest like never before, not just in Iraq, but in Iran, which Kirsten's going to share about, and in the surrounding nations. And it's so important to know and hear this is actually the kingdom report of what's going on. Not just of what you're seeing on the news, but the kingdom report is that there is a great increase and a move of God has happened in the nations and we need to know about it, we need to celebrate it, and we want to jump in and be a part of it. Yeah, when we were, um, when we were in Iraq in November with our team, um, they were the, there's the fastest growing churches in Iran right now and that's, they're experiencing like some of the most persecution, like the most crazy persecution. And it's the fastest growing church and predominantly led by women, which is amazing. Um, and they're seeing mass multiplication, like really fast, like people coming to Jesus. And so our team has been able to work with a lot of women from Iran that have come over and are in Iraq. Um, so we had like a worship night with the women and it was just powerful, like, um, just literally women like from the day before that they brought off the streets who are like um, like working in the brothel, prostitutes, literally hear about Jesus, come off the streets and then came to our worship night and just getting like radically like delivered, just totally hit by the presence of God. Like just cr the most horrific, horrendous stories you could ever even think of happening to someone, happening to these women, just extreme abuse, like just literally the worst things you could ever, ever hear about. And they're just seeing crazy multiplication. And it's so cool just seeing these women. It's just so simple. Like these women coming and hearing the, like just encountering the presence of God. And then it, what's so cool is, um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with DMM, it's disciple making movement. It's a, it's a method of evangelism, but they're, it's really just like following the way Jesus did it. So he made disciples and he, he commanded his disciples to make disciples even before they said the prayer or maybe got saved but there we're seeing in you know especially like in those areas of the world just mass multiplication because they're experiencing the presence of God and maybe even before they totally recognize that it's Holy Spirit or Jesus they're they're then telling people immediately so these women who came literally like got saved the day before uh, came to the came to our worship night and then are literally going back to Iran the next day to to like a remote area of Iran that has absolutely no Christians and so persecuted to then start a house church so they're just seeing this crazy multiplication um, and it's just all coming from like the presence of God um, and just simplifying it to like to make disciples. We're not called just to share the gospel with someone and then they, you know, they, they go to church and become, you know, not like ministry school. We went through ministry school, not like I'm bashing on that, but, um, but just so cool to see in that area of the world, like them, um, yeah, coming to Jesus and then immediately telling someone else about Jesus. It's like, you don't need to like arrive to the right place, arrive to go through ministry school for three years and then you can evangelize. It's like, no, right then and there, they're even evangelizing before they're even saved. Like, it's so cool. So I, I just felt like there was like, just an um, impartation, just to simplify it, like that it's not, we don't have to have like the right method and the right, like, and we don't have to, you know, okay, like once I go through ministry school or this training or this training, then I can share the gospel. It's like, no, like have you actually had an encounter with Jesus? Like when you have an encounter with Jesus, you want 
you naturally just want to give it away. And so that's just, yeah, through that testimony, just felt encouraged just to simplify it. And, um, I mean, we're seeing, like, they're seeing just crazy harvest um, through this, yeah, through what God's doing. So, Isn't that amazing? So cool. So these, these fired up Iranian revivalist fireballs are getting so full of joy after they've been put through the most horrific things that we're praying, we're thinking, we had like a little ministry night with, with a bunch of ministries that happened to be together in Iraq. This is back in November, as Kirsten was saying. And, and we're, we're wondering what's going to happen. And, you know, they're sharing their stories, and we start praying for them. And even through translators, they don't have to go through like Arabic to then, you know, their, their local dialect in Iran. And we're thinking like, oh, man, this could be really heavy. You know, maybe there's going to be lots of crying and people getting delivered. And like the joy of the Lord breaks out on one of them. And she just starts laughing hysterically. She's never seen a video of that happening before. She's never seen YouTube videos of crazy revival meetings. She just bursts out in the joy of the Lord on the ground, laughing hysterically. It's almost offensive, the things that she's been through, the things that you think, you know, she's been, you know, brutally, brutally abused, as Kirsten was saying. And, and the Lord is so good. And his presence is so transformative that the same way he can do that overseas in Iran, he's doing that here. And, and, and what I feel so strongly is, is what if the Great Commission, you know, God, God's calling us to see this end times harvest, the, this time where it's so exciting to be a part of a community like this, going after Jesus with everything, surrendering it all, to believe that God, a move of God can happen here in Oahu. And what if the Great Commission isn't just going to be fulfilled through us here in Oahu, but may it what God's heart, what Jesus' heart is, is it's actually going to be fulfilled through the guy that's drunk right now in downtown Honolulu that knows nothing about Jesus or is bitter towards God. That's actually God's plan. If he can do it in Saul, a guy that was persecuted and killing the Christian church, and he's actually one of the greatest uh, expanders of, of the kingdom and where we get most of our biblical tests, how much more will he do that today through the most unlikely? And so I just feel like God's breaking open the boxes today. And so um, we're going to show this clip, and then we're going to go into ministry time. Um, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just thinking of how wild this is and what God's doing. Um, we're going to show just a, a quick clip of, of what God's doing in Iraq. And... Uh, uh, we've shared a few times that people were at Surfer's Church last night. We were up in Wahiwa, and uh, we got to share part of this last night. Um, but what God is doing in the Middle East is wild. It's profound. People are getting healed. It's like literally the book of Acts coming to life, where, where if people aren't going to believe you, Jesus said himself, he said, if you're not going to believe my, by my words, believe me by my works. And so we're not converting people through, you know, great apologetics or theology or discussing, you know, the Quran with them, but by display of God's great love for them, people being miraculously healed, people being set free of like hidden, hidden addictions, these, this love encounter of Jesus in a moment, they're giving their lives to Jesus. And so uh, this, this film is called Heart and Hands. We took a team over to Iraq um, a few years ago with Bethel Music, and our heart and our intention uh, was to film and to capture what God was doing. And uh, we never thought what would happen uh, would be recorded. And, and 
miracles were breaking out in these refugee tents. Entire families were coming to the Lord. And uh, as you watch this, I just want you to be encouraged of what God's doing around the world. Uh, as you see the miracles that happened, I feel like God was going to, um, they, they started going after miracles. I know the team this, uh, today, as we were praying, we felt, and even it was in pre-service prayer, whoever's in here, uh, we felt strongly that people, um, that God was going to manifest and he was going to show off today, uh, that, that the devil would be humiliated the same way he's humiliated in this video of what he meant to cause great darkness and destruction actually the Lord flips it and brings a whole family to himself in a moment. And I felt like tonight as you watch this film, there's things that even you're suffering or if there's ailments or injuries or sickness that you're suffering as you watch this, God's going to do it again in you and we're going to go after it. But just get ready to, to lift your expectations. This is called Heart and Hands, a rock. We'll watch this and then we'll go from here. We're just going to believe today that the Lord's going to show up. The Holy Spirit will move through this camp and... He knows every name, every issue, every hair. Lord, we just thank you, God, for, for this divine moment here in the camp with some of the most neglected, forgotten people on the face of the earth. God, I thank you today, Lord, that we get to be your hands and feet, Lord, that we get to be your ambassadors of hope. And Lord, we love that we can meet the, the physical needs of these people as they have so many, but God, we want to meet the spiritual needs as well. Lord, give us a joy that's contagious, God. Give us a joy that's that, that's uncontained, God, that just spills out, Lord, with every hug and every handshake and every, every tent that we go into, Lord. We just want to radiate the joy and the expectation of the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Though Sean and the team often pray for Holy Spirit's guidance when ministering, the beauty and power of how he revealed himself caught them all off guard. All right, Lord, which way are we going? What do you think, bro? You too. You're our leader. Yeah, yeah. This is River's first outreach. First outreach. First outreach, how many weeks old? Uh, eight weeks. Eight weeks old, your first outreach. We're really praying, River, that you open the doors for us. She's a river, overflowing river. River overflowing. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Excellent to walk in the blind to see. Open prison doors, that's the captain. After awaiting Holy Spirit's guidance, Sean felt a sudden sense of direction. Something about this courtyard over here. My name is The Bible says, find a man of peace go into his home, which is basically what we did. Yeah. And now we're getting invited to other homes because of this amazing man right here. You are a man of peace. What Sean had no way of knowing 
was that Taha's name, meaning man on the right path, was leading them exactly where Holy Spirit wanted to go. The team sensed God was saying something through the refugees' names, and it was confirmed in the next tent. There they found a family affected by disease and trauma caused by ISIS, with a little girl whose name prophesied what was about to happen. He was in the prison. You were in the ISIS prison? This is the, 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 what happened to all of your children when you were in prison? She saw, she saw them. They were, they were cutting. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 we know that you have encountered so much trauma, but we believe that God's love is stronger. Jesus, I thank you for Rimas. God, I thank you that you have made her in your image. What's her name? Ismar. Shifa. Shifa? Shifa. Shifa. Healing. Her name is Healing. Shifa. Her name is Healing? Yeah. What? Yeah. Your name is Healing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. We pray for the removal of all the trauma, God, all that she's seen, Lord, the, the image that she saw from ISIS in the street. Lord, we just pray that you remove that from her memory, God, all the trauma, all the pain, and that she herself would be a healing to the nations, Lord. She would be a walking testimony of her name, God. He's feeling better. Yeah. Oh, think in her brain. And we don't think it's an accident that his daughter's name means healing. <laughs> that right now you're healing both his back and the back of his head. Does he have any more pain? Is any is it the same amount of pain? Less? He's seen a lot of difference. Come on. <laughs> yes. And the shirt for what the Jew to end up with the heart to be in the house. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to So. I think we're all pretty wrecked right now. We just began praying over every situation and just the presence of God came. And, you know, everybody that we prayed for was getting healing. They were feeling tingling and heat sensations. And come to find out the little girl with the head, head issue that we were praying for, her name actually means healing in Arabic. <laughs> I'm wrecked by the love of God that he's willing to know these people by name, that we get to be a part of seeing his presence drop, but they, they'll never be the same again. Refugees, man. God loves these people. But God wasn't done quite yet. The team visited with another family who also needed healing. After hearing their story, Sean's intern Jess realized that she suffered and had been healed from all of the same ailments. Yeah. In the same way that Jesus healed her, he, said he wants to heal you. 
Andrew prayed first, and there was only partial healing. So despite cultural norms, Jess released her testimony and laid hands on the father's knee. Can you ask him what he felt? What was shit? I felt there was something underneath, like a tendon, something in his kneecap. Under his kneecap, I felt, I felt something moving. I said she none. I said some. Barda. It's feeling like a cold breeze, like a cold breeze, something cold. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. Before, when he was pressing it like this, it was hurting. Now it's not hurting. Next, peace and healing were released over the mother who had kidney issues. She felt peace in her body yeah. as you prayed. I feel peace too. The Quran is saying. It's saying. It's saying. It's saying. It's saying. It's saying. It's saying. The father and the mother both experienced peace, healing, and the presence of the Lord. Next, the team prayed and asked the parents to also pray for their daughter. Their baby girl had been unable to clap or raise her hand above her shoulder since birth. Hey, Hannah, if you want to, can you tell them, since he just got healed, we want, we want him to lay hands also on his daughter, if he's comfortable. Yeah, we just declare full range of motions for you. In Jesus' name. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was good. They are saying, they are saying, literally, she hasn't lifted her hand this much before. Never. It's the first time she raised it like this. Never. But it was Jesus that healed you, not us. Because he loves you. And just as in the book of Acts, somewhere in the deserts of the Middle East, 
healing led to the salvation of a whole family. Hallelujah. The baby's name is Bushra. Bushra means good news. Wow, we have good news for you. Come on, Jesus. Can everyone stand up with me? Good news. <laughs> He's got good news tonight. Man, well, we're going to pray and we're going to dive into it. I know it's late and we're way over time. Um, but before it gets swirly, as we like to say, and we start losing people on the ground up here in the best way. Um, we just wanted to invite Sam was like, make sure you tell people they can go with you. And so if you want to go with us on a trip, we want, we would love to take a team full of reunion people. So if you're like, I want to do it, I've never done it before. Or I'm like super experienced, been doing missions my whole life. We want you to come with us to the nations. Uh, as Sam said, we're taking, we have this crazy goal. We're taking 20 trips in 2022. We're not leading all of them. We're not that crazy or idiotic. We have a whole team that's taking trips with us and leading them. We're going all over the world. So most likely if there's a certain region that you feel called to, we're probably going there. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you if, if you're feeling that stirring, come talk to us. We'll be in the back or you can go to lightedcandle.global uh, and lightedcandle.global or follow us on the gram, all that stuff and sign up for a trip. Take the risk, take the jump. Your life will never be the same again. And uh, does that sound good? Come on. Well, we just wanted to pray coming off the back of that. I love that video so much because it reveals, yes, God's heart for humankind. It reveals the miraculous. You see an entire family come to Jesus in a moment, but it reveals God's intentional love for each one of us so deeply that he would predestine a random, beautiful refugee family in the Middle East that have never known Jesus their entire lives, and he would predestine their names to be exactly and prophesy what they were going to experience. This good news of Jesus, this healing of Jesus, and if, it, if he can be that intentional with this family in the Middle East, in the desert, I hope that encourages you tonight, wherever you're at with the Lord. If you're battling with depression or hopelessness even here tonight, if you weren't planning on coming to reunion tonight, I feel like God was reaching out his hand and he's saying, I care about you. I care about those things that are in your heart. I know you the same way. I know these precious children in a refugee tent in the middle of the Middle East. And so tonight we just want to pray before we move on to miracles. We're going to pray. We're going to have the ministry team up here in a few minutes. We're going to see God heal. We're going to see that cooling sensation or whatever it is. God's going to heal knees tonight. I feel like he was, uh, there's, there's people that have like neck, like chronic neck tension um, in their neck that causes like tension or migraines consistently. I feel like God was going to heal that tonight. Um, if anyone has, uh, I had like heard like clicking hip or something in their joint that clicks all the time. I feel like God was going to heal that tonight. Um, there's going to be many other things, I believe, that God is going to heal. We're going to have the ministry team up here. But, but before we do that, uh, we felt so strongly that, that there, was, there had to be a response. Uh, these things that, that even worship was, was going after, this, this waiting on the Lord. This, there's been this invitation all night that maybe some of you have felt like you've, you've uh, become mundane or you've stepped into complacency or may, maybe some of you have compromised in areas and it's out of the kindness of Jesus tonight that he would bring this message of hope, of it's time to wake up. 
and, it, and it's from this, this love encounter that he wants to meet with you. And, and we just wanted to invite anyone to come up here. And even now as you're speaking, if your heart's like, like been burning or, or maybe you've been struggling with fear, we felt like there's people that are going to come up and, and surrender and give their fears. Uh, these fears that have felt like they've been paralyzed. And I feel like there's people in the room that have been, because of COVID in these last few years, they've been paralyzed or gripped with fear. I feel like God was going to break fear tonight. Were you feeling anything else? Yeah, I feel like God's breaking off disqualification. That there's, like, maybe some of you who looked at that and you're like, oh, that's great, but I could never do that. Like, I'm not bold enough or um, I'm too, whatever. Like, whatever lie that is disqualifying you, I just feel like God's breaking that off tonight. And he can use anyone, whether you've known Jesus one month, whether you've known him for 30 years, God can use you and he wants to use you. And so if you feel like that's you, um, just come forward. Like we want to just have a little bit of time um, and then we'll have the ministry team come. But yeah, I just feel like God's like re just um, for some people in the room, like just uh, a re-surrender to Jesus being like, God, like I feel like I have surrendered, but like there's maybe some area in my life that I've just too, a little too scared to fully give that to you. And so I just feel like God tonight is saying, like, you can give that to me, that little area that you felt like, oh, it was just kind of like, I'll give you everything, God, but that one area is just a little comfortable for me. Like, that's my comfort. That's my safety net. And it's felt like God's saying, like, no, you can give that too. So if that's you, if that resonates with you, just come forward. And I just feel like there's a fresh, just a fresh outpouring of his spirit over you tonight. And I just felt like for some people in the room, maybe you've come out of a really hard season and you're like, that's great, but I could, I can't do that because I've just come out of like a super hard season and maybe you're just hopeless. Maybe you feel like you have no hope, you have no vision, you have no dreams. Um, and maybe you're just in a really hard place. And so that's you. I just want to invite you to come forward because I believe God is just filling you with a fresh hope tonight, like a fresh hope to believe again. He's going to give you dreams tonight. He's going to give you um, desires in your heart. And so if you feel like that's you, um, I just want to invite you to come forward. Yeah, respond however you like. If you need to come up and get right with Jesus, come on up. If it looks like getting on your knees, maybe he's asking you to go to the back and lay out on the floor, whatever it looks like. Tonight, myself included, just everyone just begin to close your eyes. I just want to raise your hands however you feel like you want to respond to Jesus right now. Tonight, Lord, we give you our all. Father, we say right now that we trust you. Father, we come before you as your, as your beautiful sons and daughters, God, and we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this life that we've been invited to. And right now we break in the mighty name of Jesus. We break hopelessness. Father, I thank you for fear falling off hearts and minds right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I thank you for your qualification and lies going out, fleeing things that have felt paralyzing. God, I thank you right now. Would you lift it in Jesus' mighty name? We thank you, God. I ask for a greater boldness and a joy to be released over this house, over reunion, God. That it wouldn't feel like this, this heavy, this heavy yes or this, this unsure, God, but in this, in the same way, Lord, that the joy was set before you, God, I thank you for a childlike joy that's being deposited today here in Reunion Church. 
Thank you, God. If the ministry team just wants to like lay hands or if there's anyone that, that wants to lay hands on these guys that are up here, God, we just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna keep the front of the room open and um, if you are on our ministry teams, that's the only people who are gonna be praying up here at the front. Um, so you may feel somebody come and just lay a hand on your shoulder and start um, praying for you. Um, what we wanna do though is dismiss the rest of the church. We have kids in childcare, but we wanna protect this sacred place. This is the Lord moving and we're gonna give him a lot of space. Uh, we have a huge hallway. We have a huge outdoor area. If you want to talk to your neighbor, if you want to have fun, please go out there. This is so precious and we want to protect this moment. So if you want to stay and just sit and rest in his glory, we're going to keep the, the auditorium open for a little while. If you're done, we are officially dismissed. Thank you so much for coming and we'll see you next week.